The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. For this latest episode, we're turning our attention to salmon and the River Moy, the grills run on Ireland's most prolific river set to begin in earnest in the coming weeks. Paddy MacDonald is one of the most experienced guides and fly casting instructors who covers the Moy and the Northwest region. And he joins us with some insights into the different aspects of the Moy system and tips on how to fish it. Plus, we delve a bit into the why rather than just the how of salmon fishing. But before we hear from Paddy, now, Tom, I know you're a brown trout angler, obviously, but you've never actually fished the Moy, which isn't a million miles from you there. Yeah, I think you're a bit shocked at that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I've been up there plenty of times. I've never fished it. Um, I suppose my, my thing is always trout and any any salmon fishing that I do tends to be on the, on the lakes here. I did bit on the lake here, and I do. I like I like Ina and and Kyle more the lakes in Connemara. So I haven't done a huge amount of river fishing for them. Now I keep meaning to, I keep meaning to, and of course my excuse is that I'm always busy. So that's my excuse. But um, yeah, I've had chances, and it's it's on my bucket list to do. Um, and I, I wouldn't. Be, it was really interesting talking to Paddy there because with that there's so much more fly water that I wasn't hugely aware of. But even I, I'd be willing just to go up and try it with any methods, with the spinning or the worm, as it's done on places, because... I don't just, say that now. Don't say that. Ah, just try it. Ah, no, you know... Jesus, I, Jesus. bless ah, yourself, I, I man. Say, I haven't said that. I know this is Ireland on the fly and everything, but <laughs> yeah, no, just to, just to get the fish in. But yeah, I would love love to to get a look at, uh, at more of it but um yeah it's it's on the bucket list and it, as you say it's a really close bucket list <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say like my bucket list is, bucket list is greenland alaska and new zealand <laughs> well, this is the money across yeah, the border yeah, but, yeah listen listen if you're gonna have a bucket list have a few simple ones on it really <laughs> you know if you've cheered an og in your bucket list you know <laughs> seriously never set the bar too high and by the way Actually, while I'm on to you, I meant to say this to you. You're going to hit one of those bucket lists. You're going to Greenland. Oh, yes, yes. Actually, yeah. yes. I'm going there in August. So two months and counting. Well, um, I am very jealous. I cannot wait. Arctic char. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I just, yeah, I can't wait. And I'm actually thinking of bringing, I don't know. I'm actually, I'm, I'm in two minds. I was thinking of bringing the, the Zoom recorder, you know, to actually record what it's like over there but then the other half of me thinks just fish it like you know and this is actually yeah and and this is actually going i'm going to go off on a tangent here my biggest gripe and i think i read i said it to george mcgrath i don't know whether it was at the fair on the interview yeah there's this whole thing now of anglers that we have to be out recording everything whether it's a gopro whether it's a microphone and it actually did you see the 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 pga us pga did you see that picture of tiger woods there's a brilliant picture doing the rounds tiger woods teeing off in the us pga and you know there's the usual crowd of whatever 100 behind him in the gallery you know yeah every every single one of them is there with their phone and there's a one guy standing right behind him no phone in his hand just holding a can of beer just watching (laughs) the golf ball and this is the we were saying like you know and it's it's a bit like that i think is it's like suddenly we have to be always you know recording doing whatever and I, i've been tempted and it's the one thing i actually make the point of when i do go fishing is i do not bring the recorder i did it once on the drows and it's just you know you're worrying about the levels and the mic and the cables and i was just like i actually just threw it in the car like got so annoyed at it like, yeah no I, I, what i would say to you here's here's the thing now Buckleus is two trips to Greenland. First one without the Zoom recorder, <laughs> and second one with the recorder. But no, I'd agree with you. I mean, even the odd time, like because you know I do article, done articles, having on a camera in the boat and having to take pictures, it really just throws you. It really just throws you where where the focus is suddenly on 
get, as you said, getting right couple of pictures, making sure I have that. Yeah. Whereas when the focus is just the fishing, that's that's what you yeah. want. Now, first, I don't mind like with the phone, you know, I'll always have the phone on fishing and just take a picture. I always take a picture, you know, of fish caught, you know, just my own record. Mm. And I love showing the, the boys. And then I, I also just take a picture of the river and the conditions because it's always my kind of when I at the end of the month, when I kind of need to write in the diary of my fishing trips. That's yeah. I use my phone as the kind of the record. I go, oh yeah, I was on the shore on Friday, whatever, and this is what Which it was is, like. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good way of keeping them because, and you can just check time and everything. Exactly. On, yeah. But that's it. Like, yeah, I don't know. But then I'm thinking, like, I'm going to Greenland for like nine days. You know, it's maybe one of the days I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Be think great. E- it. Be a great episode. Yeah, it would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, more for it if you're up for it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, see, and it's good. Like that, there's a. A really high place bucket list and then you know i which i have greenland there as well but i also have the moy and uh back to him and after chatting about he was really interested in chatting to him about you know uh taking up spring salmon and that we have to keep a bit of bit of a mind on conservation and he said mm-hmm. for future generations so yeah he's very thoughtful and really moved by his most memorable fish I am yes yes very moving yeah. And I, actually, yeah, if everybody could keep listening out to you, and if you haven't noticed by now, kind of our last question to each guest now is uh, what's their most memorable fish? And I love all the different stories that we've been getting. And yeah, uh, yeah, Paddy's one, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, like, but it was, yeah. no, wasn't expecting it, but you know, it was very moving. But yeah, yeah well, no, it was good. But sure, look, let's hear from Paddy McDonald now to get his insights on the River Moy. And I first asked him how the season has been going so far. This year, it's been, I'd say, a particularly poor enough spring run of salmon this year. Um, but it has been sort of a downward trend with spring salmon over the last number of years. Mm. Uh, and this year has been quite slow. Now, there's been an improvement recently. Uh, the last, now, whether that's uh, just the tail end of the spring run uh, that used to be or not, but uh, yeah, there's a slight uh, improvement the last uh, eight, seven or eight days, you know. So it's been, this, whereas there's been fish caught and it's been, uh, you know, in patches, it's been okay. Overall, I would put down as relatively poor season so far. You know, but we're coming into the kind of the main run now, the grills run the next few weeks. Really, yeah, well, so. yeah, we're still we're still in the for for the likes of the Moy anyway. You're still in the main uh, uh, spring season to the first two weeks of June. You know, mm. uh, the odd grills have started to run in the last couple of weeks, and that will gradually build through June into July. You know, but. Um, yeah, there's still a couple of weeks left in the in this in, in the spring salmon season. But, and in terms of numbers of anglers out, how is it? Uh? Yeah, quite a few anglers now. There's a, a lot of anglers. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's been a big rebound after COVID or whatever. You know, so there's a lot, of, probably a lot of pent up demand and and boys just glad to get back out again. You know, is the Moy your your home river, so to speak? Like. Yeah, the my yeah. So like, uh, I suppose years ago when I started guiding, I, I spent nearly half my time on, on the lakes and half time on the river. But the last fifteen years, I, I nearly spend all my time in the rivers now. I miss the lakes a good bit, but uh, <laughs> not this May, Paddy. River, so, not this May, yeah. Paddy. No, seriously, Paddy. Not this May. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was actually up in Cornamona for a day this year. I got away for a day, but. Um, yeah, the Moy is, is sort of my home river and its tributaries. And then we have, you know, six or seven other salmon rivers within within a short drive of us here. So, you know, with other you know, except for say the Newport River, they're all they're all spate rivers. So uh, a lot of them don't uh, start to get their fish until July, sort of it's July, August, September. So mm-hmm. for the whole season we sort of have somewhere to have a go at anyway, depending and it's good because sometimes when the Moy is in flood. It means the rivers are at a good level of the spate rivers. So there's a good a good sort of variety and a good backup for people that come. There's always something else to do. You know, we can go to one of the other spate rivers or we can go trout fishing the lake or we can go fly fishing for pike or we can go fly fishing in the sea. Or, so there's always a sort of a backup, especially we'll say if you get very low water conditions or whatever, you know, and uh, there's always something else we can we can go at, you know. And is salmon uh, the first grow for you, Paddy? Uh, yeah, it's a question I get asked an awful lot, <clears throat> uh, and I cannot I cannot pin it down because uh, I can't say I have a favourite really. Um, you know, like I was out and I, I was out up in the Doris, uh As Tom knows, I, I was a member of Cornwall Club for years, and it's 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 my favourite spot in Ireland for fly fishing. You know, uh, for for trout, 
it's such a beautiful place. So I was up for a day there and the conditions were, uh, 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 you know, there wasn't a huge hatch of mayfly. Uh, there wasn't a huge um, amount of uh, uh, fish up. But we came on a pocket of fish. I was out with Kevin Crawley. We came on a pocket of fish feeding. Uh, there was a little hatch of mayfly just out of the needles and there was a pocket of fish feeding on them. And uh, geez, we had a, a reasonably good day, you know. So we had, I think between us, we had 17 or 18 fish and wets. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the days before and after that then were very hard going. And even on that day, if you didn't happen to be in the right place at the right time, it was patchy enough. But that's just the way it is with wild fishing. You know, it's it's not going to be perfect all the time. And it's very locked into hatches and, you know, that type that's of thing. The story. That's the story exactly the way it's been. You get lucky yeah. one day. Paddy, yeah, and yeah, the next yeah. day, the next day you wouldn't be lucky. But yeah, just back right. there, just back there, Paddy, where are you from? Where, where was your local water? You, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. so my local river is, is the Moy uh, for salmon, right. and the my local lakes really are Lacan, Lacullen. You know, mm. uh, they'd be my sort of main, the main. Now we've a few, a few other smaller trout lakes, but uh, Lacan, Lacullen would be the two, uh, my two home waters for 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 trout fishing as such. You know. And then the moy, then the moy for salmon. So you were the on the moy for salmon, for and also yeah, some of the tributaries the moy, the Greece, you know, I would fish, fish the Greece and quite a bit for salmon uh, years ago. And uh, you know, there's a couple other. See, the moy system is, is unusual in, in, in that it's quite a big system because you have you have the two lakes feed into the moy, and you have a salmon river, the Bellavere River comes off Loch Cullen, and you have the River Deal, which comes off Loch Con. So the moy really is is quite unique in the way that it's almost like three separate types of salmon rivers in one. So, you know, downstream from where the lake water comes in, it's it's, it's a lake fed river. And hmm. uh, that means really that the salmon, you know, stay you know, taking wood for a lot longer and the conditions stay good for longer. And whereas the higher up you go up in the moy, it becomes more of a spate river, you know, where the, the level goes up and down very quick, the more you head up towards Bannon up the top of it. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a big system overall, you know. How, how many, like roughly, how many miles would you reckon of fishable water there is? Okay, so I suppose if we're talking about fly fishing, so you have, you know, you have the beats of Belenay, which are, you know, two or three, you know, the pools, the cathedral pool and the ridge pool or whatever, Spring Wells, Ashley pool. Uh, but then the, I suppose that the majority of the, uh, of, of the fly fishing um, water would be upstream of Foxford in, in East Mio water, where they have, there's about nine miles river in East Mio, and there's a, probably at least probably six to seven of that is is fly fly water, you know. And, Would it be that uh, much, Paddy? You see, I, yeah. I, I you're, I'm this is great. I'm really enjoying this because, like, mm. I've never actually fished the moor, so yeah. I seriously wasn't aware that there was. Yeah, I haven't. Do you look? Yeah, I there's haven't. loads. Of, there's loads yeah. and loads of really nice fly water in East Mio. Yeah, and uh, uh, like it's you know it's, it's there's nine there's ninety name pools in East Mio and. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of nice fly water uh, in it for sure. Yeah, mm. East, East Mio uh, is unusual in that you know the, the the one of the main tributaries in the Wye comes in about halfway down the East Mio water, uh, the River Guistian, right. and it's it's also like two different rivers and different levels of water. Uh, but below the River Guistian, the, the river stays up for an extra couple of days because of the River Guistian, and upstream of it the goes river down Guistian, lower. It, it's it's more spacey, so mm. and that's just an, 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 in the East Mew Angler stretch alone. So it it, it it can be quite a variance of where you can fish on any given day, depending on whether you're fishing on East Mew above the River Guishan or you're fishing below it. You know, right. And another thing, actually, I heard <coughs> and this is because I'm going all by hearsay now, but yeah. that from the different tributaries and the let's say you you'd be able to tell where a certain salmon is from in the morning. That there's different shape. I've heard this. That there's different shapes of salmon. That there's some of them that are short and thick, or from a certain tributary, or <coughs> let's say the Guishan or whatever. And that there's other shaped salmon. Is that is that so? Yeah, uh, there the would be. Uh, sometimes you could tell, uh, but like even you know, I mean, I'm sure you know Dr. Paddy Gargan, uh, and mm. uh, like you know, we have at least six, if not seven, uh, distinct strains of fish comes up the moy. So you have the fish that comes. Uh, the early fish that comes into the River Deal and the Balavaya River, and then you have the fish that go up the the the, the Guishan. So so you have three other rivers after that. You have the Glore, the Pulla, you know, and uh, 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 
and the Trimog, you, you go up in and you're in the, the Mullahan or Charleston River, you have the Clare River, you know, so like there's a lot of, of um, distinct... So, uh, uh, all uh, those all those rivers that you just mentioned there, yeah. could you, could you, can you fish them? No, so, so some of them are, are, are like, you know, the, the likes Spawning, of, just uh, spawning headwork. Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, now, even the pollock, now it's actually possible to catch, you know, salmon and, and the likes of the trimmer and the pollock in, in June because salmon, some early fish to go up into those rivers because I've caught them trout fishing there in 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 in, uh, in May and June. Uh, but usually it's it's they're regarded as sort of nurseries and no one it would, would fish them specifically for salmon, you know. Now, the, the question is the Salmon River in its own right. Mm. Uh, you can, you know, you can legitimately go after salmon on the question from, you know, once you get into June, July. Uh, it's got a little bit overgrown the last few years or whatever, but um, uh, so then the Corrie River gets gets its 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 salmon. Uh, they run up the Corrie River later later in the year. You know, <clears throat> you wouldn't be fishing that for salmon river. So um, right. yeah, there's, 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 there's at least six, maybe seven different strains of salmon go up the the boy system. You know, and I'm, like I'm not even mentioning the Bun Reed, like the Bun Reed Belnair. Uh, uh, this has its own strain of salmon go up there. They go up that river very late as well, you know. Where is that, Paddy? <clears throat> that's down. That's downstream of the Ridge Bull and Cathedral. It's down. It's right oh, in the right. tidal stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Brusna, yeah. But come here, that other river that flows in below the Ridge Bull, Paddy. Yeah. Can you actually fish that one? Uh, I think I think it's closed at the moment. Of uh, I haven't fished now for a good number of years. Uh, I, I have a feeling that it's actually closed. I don't think it's even open for catch and release at the moment. I right. think it's possibly closed at the moment. Right. Now, I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, I have fished it in the past. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's it's obviously it's a fishable piece of water. It's a, fish, it's a fishable piece of water. Yeah, 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 for sure. And another thing, then, on the question, is the question open or is it private or is it like is it day tickets or what's the question? No, no. The, the, the question in itself and all its tributaries are all free fishing. So you get, yeah, you get quite a few guys uh, going up their trout fishing or whatever, you know, and uh, it's that's 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 uh, free fishing. Paddy, I was just wondering there. I, I remember a couple of years ago that the average size of the grills seemed to go down. They went very small on the morning. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Uh, like they were going like you're getting <clears throat> grills at three, maybe even two pounds. Was that? Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, 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 actually, that that has that has sort of nearly disappeared there for the last two or three years. There's there's hardly any small. Uh, uh, small grills, uh, like the last couple of years, the quality of the grills was as good as I have ever seen it. Uh, all right, meaning, so it's, it's they've actually just come, they've come back to, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was all there's always you know a, a, a proportion of those small little two, three pound grills or whatever. Uh, but uh, the last couple of years, the quality I have to say, the quality of the grills was outstanding, you know, and a lot of grills in that sort of five, six pound bracket. You know, nice uh, with, with occasional seven pounder and yeah, a, a very good quality grills. That I have a I have a, a sneaky suspicion that the grill stone of the Moy is gradually improving over the last four or five years. Do you? Uh, I, I, I do. I, I have I have that sort of uh, um, feeling that it is it is uh, gradually getting better. I'm I'm seeing pods of fish coming through. The, you know, years and years ago, you'll see pods of grills coming through all day. Little groups of ten or twelve grills going through, going through. Right, and I haven't seen that for years, and I, I'm beginning to see that occasionally, some days now again. So right. I do, I do get that feeling that at at least holding their own, and maybe the run in, increasing slightly. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah, uh, yeah. And with regards, like the smaller ones, do you have any idea what that was brought about? What? Why did the size plummet? Is there any notions or well, ideas? Well, historically, you know, uh, you know, you know, um, there was uh, there was draft nets and there was drift nets or whatever. So, like a lot of the fish, a lot of the fish that were getting through were the were the smaller fish that could actually get through the nets because uh, the the drift nets and the draft nets in the river uh, were were catching all the fish above that size. Mm. So that was that that was a sort of um, you know a problem. You know, Ali, can I ask you? Um, you think of the Moy, uh, and you think of the Ridge Pool, you know, yeah. Ball and that, you know, that's the kind of, you know, the focal point of it. Um, and is that kind of what, you, you know, people kind of 
come come to want in terms of you know I, for me it's a bit odd I think you know in the sense of you're I chat to a fella and you're he's catching a fish and next minute you turn around and there's a crowd you know watching yeah you know it's a different type of fishing isn't it like there's a very like you know and and the whole uh, and the whole scheme of things on fly fishing in the mud the rich pool and cathedral uh, is the smallest part of it really because the vast majority of fly anglers are up fishing upriver you know. Um, like the, the Ridgepool can accommodate five anglers and the cathedral, I think, seven or eight. You know, like you, you could have 35, 40 guys fishing in East Mayo fly fishing on any given day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, so, so you, have a lot, you have a lot of scope there, uh, a lot more scope and a lot, a lot more fly water. Whereas some people like to fish the Ridgepool and, when, when, and cathedral. And when the river, we have very low water conditions, uh, we have a drought conditions, well then... You know, that's a very good place to be. Uh, you know, the fish can sort of get held up down the estuary and there's fish coming in out of the ridge. So it's all down to conditions as well, you know. And some people like to fish the ridge pool because it was famous uh, or whatever, historically or whatever, and just, just to say the fish there or whatever. But, uh, and some people don't mind fishing in the town. Other people want to fish out in the countryside where they have a more peace and quiet. It's very much down to individual preference as well, you know. It's kind of iconic though, isn't it? Like you can't, you know, when you hear the ridge pool, it's, it's a bit like, oh, we, we're in it, isn't it? A bit yeah, like that. Yeah, well, know? I suppose, it, it, you know, the ridge pool, you know, it's 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 government run or whatever. And, you know, it has been probably got more promotion than 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 other clubs might have got up river or whatever, you know, so. And what about Ballina? Like, is there's a real sense, like, is the Salmon Festival going to be happening there again this year? It's hurt. Yeah, the Salmon Festival ran for years and years. There was a very big event. And uh, I'm not so sure, Is it, uh, I haven't heard, is it, are they going to start it up again? Uh, with COVID and everything, I suppose everything is probably knocked back or whatever. So uh, it's been nice to see uh, uh, the festival in, 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 in Ballina going again. Also, they had a, a very good festival in, in, in Foxford on the Moy. Uh, as well, and hopefully that one in Foxwood will uh, maybe get up and going again. So, um, yeah, at the moment, the, the, I haven't heard anything, but hopefully that both festivals, Balanay and Foxwood, may well start up again to be really good, you know. There's a real kind of, like, I get that sense of, like, kind of, it's like a culture fit, you know, in terms of salmon in the air. It's something that they're really trying to sell nearly as a kind of a, as a destination, isn't it? Now, I know, obviously, it's, it's in, in visiting anglers' minds, isn't it? It's They just associate there, it's salmon, that's the region for it. Like. Yeah, well, like, you know, I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm based in, in Foxford. I used to work with Maloney's Lodge in Foxford. And, and, like, every morning there or whatever, it's like the United Nations. You have people from every country in Europe and from America and you name it, from all over the world. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a really, it's a, it's, 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 quite well known internationally and we got a, a lot of international anglers, fly anglers coming to fish in the Moy and fish the local rivers. And I actually fish Loch Conn and Loch Unnel as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll come and they'll stay, they'll stay in Foxford and they'll, or Belna, whatever, and they'll fish Conn, call and they fish the Moy, they might go up and fish the Carb for a day and they'll fish the Mask for a day. So some people just wanted to concentrate on salmon fishing, some people trout and some people like a mixture. So it, 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 it's, you know, it's down to what the individual uh, clients or, or guests want to do, you know. Did Jack Charlton help at the time? Yeah, I actually knew Jack quite well. I used to meet him fairly regularly in the Ridgepool and he was a real character, you know. And I suppose he brought another level of interest, you know, uh, you know, people that would have no interest in, in, in fishing or salmon fishing sort of took an interest just because Jack was in Belair because he was in the Ridgepool or whatever. So it was, uh, it sort of, uh, yeah, the two linked up quite well, you know. And he, like he used to come over every Summer, did he like when well, he Well, Jack had a house in Belenau, you know, so, he had yeah. a house for, for, for quite a while in Belenau and he was in there quite a bit and he loved his fishing. So, yeah, it was sad to see him pass away or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's very well thought around Belenau, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think it's great to see when you have public figures like that, isn't it? Like kind of espousing an area, you know, and that they, like seeing they have a holiday home, it just creates that kind of uh, yeah, like every, yeah, anglers have, have anglers get a grow for a place. To, they, they get a liking for a place like so. Some of my friends from from down this part of the country for years and years, Tom knows us for at least twenty years in a row. We went to Cornermore every year, yeah. we a week, a week or, or, or ten days fishing there, and and you get a grow for the place. Like and you know, I, as I said, I was up. I got a, a day away this year to fish, and, and some of my mates are still going there to this day. They have their weeks holidays in Cornermore and they fish off the tours and. Uh, 
you just get attached to a place and it's 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 the combination of the of the fishing and the beauty of the place and the people and the atmosphere it's not it's more than just the fishing as well it's 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 a, it's, it's, it's it's a complete thing you know and yeah you, that's what I'm saying. i get that sense it's it, it, it's a, that kind of cultural thing you know it's yeah, yeah you're yeah. coming to his place but i, I remember at the same time when i went down to to cornamona fishing with yourself you just got that sense of it was just it was in the blood around it was in the you know the air like there you know the people were soaking it up like you know. yeah, yeah even the people like it's the same around you know Foxford, Ben Swinford and the Moy even even people who don't actually fish themselves have an interest in it or they're always asking what's the fish is like or whatever or the fly is up or you know what's happening you know so there is it's 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 in the genetics of the locality if you if you, if you like you know well it's so important to a locality in a way, Patty, you know, it really is. It's so important. And not just, I, and I don't mean that in a, in economic in ways. It's, yeah, it's right, yeah. Everything, yeah. It's, you know. It's a feel-good feel factor because, yeah. you know, there's guys, you know, the guys come on this day and they, they go to the local pubs or they go to an Irish music section or whatever mm. and actually make friends with people that are, you know, in the locality that aren't even in division or whatever, just from the sheer fact that they're coming year on year for a long number of years, the sort of... Uh, Perfect, become yeah. like one of the, compared to the furniture almost, you know. Yeah, there's a classic case here. I don't know the the week that you used to come, the week beforehand, the Welsh lads used to always come, and Perfect, yeah. they got they got so caught up with the the locals here, the guys yeah. who don't fish. But every year yeah. they have a darts game in Wales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the O'Malley team will go over and in sometime in October and have a darts game against their local pub in South Wales. That's right. That's Brilliant. really yeah. good. Yeah. Them, really good. Them boys used to stay out in Rusheen Bay, near Rusheen Bay, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I they, think used to, uh, they used to go out from Peter Welch's place. Yeah. The the because my my mates, I think they they were they were in the same place this year. So we were, were launching out of Rusheen. It was very handy, you know. So. Uh, oh yeah, you know. were. Yeah, yeah. They did yeah. stay in. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they were there the week before you, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a lo- it's a lo- it's a lovely spot. Great spot. You know? yeah, Great spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Paddy, tell me in terms of the guiding side of it, how did you get into it? Well, I suppose uh, I started off uh, when I was very young. I suppose I was, it was just people just asking would, would I take them salmon fishing or would I take them trout fishing or whatever. And I sort of started off when I was a teenager and did it sort of, uh, I'll be taking you know chunks of two weeks here, two weeks there, bring them people fishing here and there at different times of the year. And so I did that for years and years and years, and I was always self-employed, so I could organise my other work around doing that. And uh, I suppose about twenty years ago, I then sort of went at it properly, you know. Mm. So you're full time. Yeah. Yes. For the season. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, and how have you found it in terms of like you know, you know, in terms of trying to, you know, what you know if the fishing's poor or patchy. How do you find that in terms of trying to get that balance right? You know, in terms of. Get, when I see, I suppose, with experience, I suppose, I remember when I was younger, I, I would be, you know, you'd get very frustrated for, for on, on the guest part or whatever, you know, but as you get older, you become more accepting of the conditions. So you, you, fish, to, you fish to suit the conditions to the best of your ability. And that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. So you, whatever whatever method uh, or whatever technique or whatever tactic that you know, suits the conditions best, well, then you go with that. And whatever happens, happens then, because you have no control after that. All you can all you can do is sort of remove any obstacles that might be in the way of someone maybe being successful. And then all you can do is fish. And if you're successful, great. And if you're not, well, that's wild fishing. There's, there's, uh, there's, no, there's no circle around it. So what can be frustrating for visiting anglers maybe that might be used to fishing for stock fishing, in the rivers or stock fish in reservoirs or whatever, where they may be used to, you know, uh, fishing for rainbows or whatever, which are obviously hungry all the time. Uh, when you're fishing for wild fish, wild fish don't exactly, uh, you know, operate to the same code. And that can be quite difficult. But, you know, when you gradually explain and want to get a full understanding of what wild fishing is, you know, then they either like it or they don't or whatever. Some people just like fishing for wild fish and whatever, and some people it doesn't suit. And, but at the end of the day, once you, you sort of have your tactics sort of right, then whatever happens, happens. That's all you can do. And, you you, you know, you, you squeeze whatever enjoyment. You, you know, you can have a very enjoyable day uh, salmon fishing or trout fishing and maybe not catch too much or whatever. 
because there's other things you can learn because a lot of the people I have are sort of beginners or intermediate. So you're all the time teaching, you're teaching fly casting technique, you're teaching fishing technique. And it doesn't have to be a wasted day just because you don't get to fish. They're, they're, you know, you're trying to pass on knowledge or skills or whatever to somebody. So yeah. it can be, a, they can learn more in a day when they don't catch anything than a day that could catch three or four or whatever, you know. Actually, Paddy, you, just that you say, you do, you do quite a bit of instruction, don't you? You do a lot, right? Yeah, I, I teach fly casting every day. So yeah. 99% of my work is, is basically teaching fly casting because uh, in salmon fishing, fly casting, well, it's in all forms of fly fishing, mm. uh, casting is important, but it can be really important in salmon fishing because... We're fishing bigger flies a lot of the time and we're having to cast slightly longer distances and cope with very difficult conditions uh, and sinking tips and sinking lines. So it's a, it's a big, big change for someone to change from single hand casting to, to, to double hand casting. And it's a, there's a lot of uh, things change. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you could probably you get away with it, let's say, lock style fishing. If you reach a certain level, then it's going to get you through 90% of what you need to do or lots yeah. of fishing, but I, salmon fishing—it's completely different. And yeah. So if you if you if you take salmon fishing with a single-handed rod, so uh, you, you can you know in a lot of rivers you can fish, and even medium-sized rivers you can fish with a single-hand rod. If you match it up, you know, with with the proper type of line, something like you know, let's say, command OPS to commando heads or something that that are really condensed and and cast really well, you can command a lot of river with a single-hand rod. Your technique has to be. That little bit uh, more refined, you have to be able to do certain things. Uh, you have to be able to haul really well. But overall, really and truly, I suppose, to cut a long story short, salmon fishing really is a, is a, is a fishing for a, for a two-hand rod. You know, there, there are some situations where, where um, you, you know, you can, you know, can fish quite well with a single-hand rod and some certain conditions suit that. But for, for the vast majority of your salmon fishing, uh, double hand rod is the way to go, and even in small, even in state rivers, uh, a double hand rod is the way to go because you know you take somewhere we'll say like the Owen Duff, we'll say it's a small spade river, but and a lot of the fishing is done off the bank. But you come across obstructions in the bank if you have a nine nine ten foot single hand rod, you physically can't get in there. Every some of the pools you can't wade. And whereas if you have a double hand rod, you can reach over and you can fish those pools or you can overhead cast or whatever. It gives you more flexibility. So all things considered, really, 99% of your fishing for salmon uh, is double hand fishing. And, and most people have to bite the bullet and say, OK, I, I really need to learn how to, to, to cast with a double hand rod. You know? I have to say, actually, like Tom had noticed, like my preference would be for salmon fishing. And part of it was just the casting. Yes, because you know, ninety-nine casts out of hundred, you're not going to be casting. <laughs> but for me, standing there, just you know, just watching the, the movement of the the line and the, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of maybe akin to hitting a, a nice golf shot where you hear that mm. ping, you know. And oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're watching it, it like you know, yeah, absolutely. So because you know, one thing about about fly cast with a single hand rod or double hand rod is that there's a certain level of pleasure to be got out of just doing the thing very well. And uh, there's, you know, there's lots of different casts we can learn and uh, or whatever. And, you know, as you say, even a day where you don't get your fish, the pleasure of just being able to wade down a river and cast a nice line and cope with different conditions. And uh, and uh, there's a certain pleasure to be got at that for in its own sake, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think in comparison to say, Tom, the, 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 the brown trout fish are in, where you know you're you're trying to figure out the the, the problem of the flies, mm-hmm. you know that's the problem. I think whereas then for the salmon, it's yeah I know you're like, yeah, yeah. but step cast step cast. I saw I saw and Paddy. I saw this uh, great uh, uh, illustration a couple of years ago in one of the I think Trout and Salmon magazine, and there was a picture of the trout angler brain, and it's all these reference books and Latin terms, and you know all this very complicated stuff, and then salmon angler brain step cast step cast. Step cast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think you know really that the, it's all trout fishing and salmon fishing. This this. Good technique in either trout fishing or salmon fishing. It's all about really doing simple things, but doing them really well. Mm. 
so if you can do the simple things really well, uh, you're you're 90% there. Uh, but there is the rub. The rub is, and the longer you fish and the more you fish, uh, and the more you learn, the more you see, the more you realize it's just the simple things done well. Uh, that that success, you know. But it's it's time in the water, isn't it, Paddy? Like it's time, and it's it's time spent on building up skills or whatever. So you know, uh, uh, I remember I think I was listening to one of the podcasts, Tom was on about fishing for canis or whatever. Like you know, every type of fishing uh, has its own skills. So you get a guy out and he's, he's dry fly fishing in really difficult conditions. So if you have a guy there and he, he isn't able to cast a line without rock on the boat. Well, you're in trouble, you know. So, and you'd say to yourself, "Well, you know that 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 should be relatively easy." But at the end of the day, it's simple, but you still have to be able to do it. So, like, so the guy that would be into that type of fishing or want to learn that type of fishing, he needs to go away and practice until he can do that. So, if if you have somebody out in the boat or whatever, and and they're not able to do that, say, "Well, you know, that's okay. We were all there once, but you need to go away and practice to do this." So it's the same for salmon if any particular technique and if somebody can't do it, it's no big deal. We all have to learn or whatever, but you need to go away and just learn it and just learn to do the simple things really well. And then if you can do that, you're in the game, you know? Can I ask you, Paddy, what's your thoughts on the kind of more um, recent developments um, towards the kind of shorter heads, the shooting head style? Uh, like I've heard of yeah. some people kind of, like from my perspective is it's, it's a lot easier for people to take up um, the, the the kind of salmon casting thought isn't it with those shorter heads because you can be casting a good line out in a short amount of time. Like. I'm a huge fan of um, of short lines in certain situations. So I use uh, I'm a particular fan of the OPST commando heads. They're actually really really short. They're only about 15 18 feet long, and that's because a lot of the places I fish and a lot of places salmon anglers fish in Ireland particularly, uh, are spate rivers or small to medium-sized salmon rivers. And a lot of the time, we're very, very restricted, um, very restricted casting space. But on top of that, we also have to be using sinking tips and heavy flies. And you combine that with not much room to cast. If you have a line that will cope with all those conditions, uh, well, then you're really, really in the game. So that's why I'm a fan of the, of this, of, of uh, my favorite line for them type of situations is definitely the OPSD commando heads. Can, uh, can I ask you so, I, and I ask you this really, and I want to know, why do they work? Okay, they work because the, the, all the weight for the casting is condensed into a much shorter distance, right? Yeah. So originally, so these lines are, are, are what they call micro gadget lines. So the Skagit line started to become known in Ireland, I suppose, maybe 10 years ago. And they're, they're originally from the Pacific Northwest uh, uh, in the USA and Canada. And they were used for fishing very, very heavy flies with very, very fast sinking tips. Now, the original, you know, and even, even nowadays, some, some of the Skagit lines are, were very heavy and very clunky. They would land in the water and cause a lot of disturbance. But that has been refined quite a bit. And OPST... Who also Ed Ward is one, you know, one of the instigator. Mm. He was one of the guys that invented uh, the whole Skagit casting style and system, or whatever. So he's come up, he, he's come up with lines that have refined the, that whole Skagit system down to that the lines actually uh, are really, really fishable for Atlantic salmon. They don't cause very little disturbance, and they still do all the other things. They still cope with very, very fast sinking tips. You know, T eighteen, T twenties. And heavy head, the heaviest flies we'd possibly use in Ireland. And also you can use them then for they're actually very good for fly fishing for pike. You can actually, you know, fish wet flies over the over the front of the boat with them as well for salmon or trout. Um, so the short heads, they're really good for all those things. They're probably not very good for dry fly fishing, or they're not very good where you have to be fishing in a big river where you have to be kiss, casting 40, 45 yards all day. But for most of our Irish fishing, uh I'm a big fan of them. Uh, they're very, very versatile. And getting back to the guy, you know, the beginner, uh, it gets the beginner fishing very, very quickly. And it helps to give them confidence. So a beginner, you know, it can be a very frustrating process, the whole process of learning to, to, to fly cast. So the, these shorter heads, like these commando heads, get people and build their confidence very, very quickly. And if, 
And if they want to progress then to casting with longer uh, heads and move into full spay lines, they, they have a sort of a stepping stone along the way. You can, you know, as you know yourself with, with fly casting, you can take it to whatever level you want. So, yeah. like, with all the visiting anglers coming to Ireland, like, the biggest problem I find with a lot of the guys and girls is that when they go back home to their home country, they just don't have the time to practice a lot of the time. Uh, and if sometimes if they do have the time, they mightn't have the water nearby or the space to do it or whatever. So a lot of them just just don't don't get the time and the, the only time they get to fish is when they're actually here. So if you have a sort of a line system that gets them fishing straight away, well, then they're definitely in the game then, you know. There's a bit of snobbery attached to it though, Paddy, isn't there? Like in terms of... In, in fly casting, is it? Or? Yeah, that people kind of look down their noses a bit on the kind of short-haired development. Like, what do you, is there? Well, I wouldn't worry too much. I wouldn't worry too much about that because some of the best fly casters in the world use them. So uh, um, I wouldn't let that. I, I would never let anything get in the way of using something that was the most effective to use in a given situation. So if I was going to fish on some big massive pool in Norway where I have to be casting 40, 45 yards. Well, I wouldn't be using an OPS to commando, but for, for the majority of my fishing, we'll say around the west of Ireland, well, I'm quite happy using it. And if I have to if I have to use a longer head in a different situation, if I was maybe in the ridge pool in Belnay, I might use a, 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 a spay line or I might use a different line. But the ideal thing is to match the line to the situation you're fishing in. Use the most efficient, the most efficient line for a given situation, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. the real... And it gets back to the same thing. Keep it, keep it simple. Keep it easy. You know, you have enough things to contend with without making things hard for yourself. So you don't want to be on a small river in the west of Ireland with a sixty-four foot head spay line, and all you have out is the tip, and it's not loading the rod, and you're wondering why you're wondering why things aren't working too well. So you need to match the line to what you're doing, and keep it simple and keep it efficient. Where do you see the next development going uh, in terms of? lines or technology that side of it like you know with tackle where do you where does it see it going or any ideas um, like I, do, you, or do you see rods getting you know in terms of because even the rod sizes haven't we seen that they're kind of you know we're getting lighter shorter yeah uh, so I, I i can remember you know when i was very young starting off with cane rods and thick lines and i've seen the developments of plastic lines double tapers going on to weight forwards and 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 long belly weight forwards and long taper weight forwards and and then the whole progress of lines um i can see this this whole uh, uh emphasis towards lighter and lighter that'll probably that will probably come in and stay more than 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 it is now like historically on the lakes we'll say you know a lot of guys using eight and nine weights right that that was uh, and you know a lot of the time, that's all that was available, but that that's all changed. A lot of guys, most guys have fishing five and six weights, and then a lot of guys have fishing three and four weights in the lakes. So the same with salmon fishing, you know, it was always 10, 10 weight and 11 weight, 15 foot with big heavy lines. That's that those days are nearly gone now completely, especially around, around the Moy and, and these places. Most guys are fishing, you know, seven, seven weights, not too many even fishing eight and nine weights, a lot of fishing seven weights. And some going down uh, five and six weights for salmon. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It's, you know. But in summertime, in really low water, and we will fish in really low, difficult conditions in the Moy. We'll take out a nine foot trout rod and fish a five or six weight line off it if we're if, if in low water conditions. So that's what you need to be using if things are really difficult. Yeah. And the river is really low. You need to be going out with a trout rod and a five or six weight line and sneaking around. So you just you just use what what matches the conditions you're faced with, you know? And speaking of conditions, Paddy, just to kind of look ahead, um, you know, we, we know in terms of kind of the numbers of salmon, you know, how it's, how it's um, you know, been reduced in, in, in the last few years. Um, going forwards, you know, are you worried about it in terms of salmon numbers? Do you think, do you think will we reach, will we reach bottom, you know, how do you see it going, like, yeah, well, I said it's the same time there a while ago that you know I think the grills on the Moy. Uh, I have a sort of a feeling that it's gradually, gradually uh, getting better. Uh, the spring one on the Moy and, and a lot of the rivers is is um, I think uh, probably not nearly as good as it was. Uh, you know, and I think 
at some stage, at some stage, we have to say stop, and we have to say, you know, we have to approach things differently. So, you know, just having, you know, uh, catch and release or whatever up until a certain date in the season doesn't work, uh, because you could have catch and release on the Moy or some other river around the country, uh, catch and release for spring salmon up until the end of June, even after their season is over. <clears throat> the first flood that comes in July, a lot of those fish will come back on the take and they'll be they'll be killed then. So uh, there has to be a better way of doing it. So uh, I would say something like uh, uh, they're doing other countries, maybe have a size limit, so something equivalent to a five-pound grills. Any fish bigger than this has to be released. I think that would work very well. Uh, a lot of countries, a lot of countries are uh, are minding their salmon stocks better than we are in Ireland. And uh, if we don't, uh, if we don't stop, if we don't, if we, if we don't stop uh, killing as many spring fish uh, around the country, uh, well, then it's it's going to end, you know, and uh, you know. So, like, it's 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 a there's a happy medium. Uh, uh, in some rivers, in some rivers, the the spring run is uh, has uh, is in very uh, is, is, is in trouble. Other rivers, it's not so much. So, all I know is that in certain rivers where where they brought in catch total catch and release, rivers that were in really bad trouble, they have come back very well. Uh, so uh, it does work. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the problems we have in salmon fishing in Ireland weren't the weren't the cause of the anglers. Uh, you know, the anglers weren't the cause of bringing the salmon numbers down to where they were. Uh, the drift nets and the policies, you know, I suppose, the government policies to say that they could trap and knit salmon out in their thousands uh, brought the overall numbers of salmon uh, down to a very low level. <clears throat> that wasn't the anglers' fault. It was government policy. Uh, but as it as it stands now, the angler has some say. So they, you know, I find a lot of a lot of uh, people are releasing a lot more salmon. That's that's very very welcome, uh, and I think that's we have to really start thinking about protecting our fish more because when they're gone, uh, they're gone. And there's you know, if a river gets down to a certain level, if a certain run of fish in a river gets down to a certain level, it might never recover. And there's certain salmon rivers all around that got to that level 30 years ago and they have never recovered. So that can happen to any river anywhere. And it's up to the, the powers that be to sort of ensure that it doesn't happen around Ireland. Mm, I think that's very true. Very true. Actually, when we're on about it there, just the you mentioned, because I wanted to ask you, any idea what's the, the amount of rod caught salmon on the moy in a year? I know it's kind of hard to tell. It can vary. It can, yeah, it can vary. So at most years, uh, the, 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 there's the highest number of catch in the country. So most years, the, we say if there's about eight thousand salmon caught in the moy, there'll be something roughly around, you know, four thousand caught in the Blackwater is the next best river. But it can vary in the moy, Anton, between five thousand up to ten or twelve thousand. It can vary from year to year. So if you were in around the seven, eight thousand would be sort of an average year, and ten or eleven thousand would be a good year, and less than that would be would be classed as a poor year. It's phenomenal. It is, yeah. And yeah. A, a lot a lot of those fish are killed. And uh, mm. whereas, you know, we're not at the level of, of total uh, you know it, it, it needs to be more fish released because it uh, even though the grillstone is holding up and even though the, I think the grillstone is increasing slightly. Uh, the angling pressure is, is is starting to build up again. The, you know, there's a, a lot more anglers out. The spring run needs to be protected more. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a wild resource, and it's, uh, I think we have a certain duty to our children or to our grandchildren or the people who come after us to say that. Well, you know, what do we do or what do we say? You know, to protect these fish uh, for the for the generations to come. You know. Uh, we have no God-given right to um, to bring them to a level where they're gone for our children or our grandchildren, you know? 100%. No, 100%, Paddy. Yeah, very much. Final question uh, we ask everyone, Paddy, on this is, what was your most memorable fish? Um, not necessarily the biggest, not your PB. Well, I, 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 actually, I was asked that question last year, and 
I won't mention this guy's name, right? <laughs> uh, uh, I won't mention this guy's name, but it was actually quite a famous, it was quite a famous uh, Scottish uh, salmon angler. And uh, he was, uh, he had only a few weeks to live and he, he was fishing on the River Eastgate and uh, he caught his last salmon on the sand hole and on Fortland Fishery in the Eastgate. And the fish was 14 pounds weight. And uh, he died two weeks later. That was it. Yeah. God. Yeah. That was my most memorable fish. It's a nice, oh, yeah. nice memory to have, though. For to... it was, yeah, it was, it was very special for him, and it was very special for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was great that you were there with him for that. Yeah, yeah, it was super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And isn't that what it's like, Bear Paddy? Though, isn't it? It's, it's the the experiences. With the people, yeah, you know, it's back on fish life, you know. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's salmon fishing as you know it's, it's often being said it means a lot of different things for for people uh, or whatever and you know, people get different types of enjoyment or different aspects of salmon fishing and uh, I suppose as Tom knows all we can do as, as fishing guides or whatever is to try and and help people enjoy it as much as they can and squeeze every last little bit of enjoyment they can out of it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Make the most of it, as you said. Make the most of it, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, Paddy Maitano, uh, best look for, for the season um, and uh, for hopefully more fish and more anglers coming over <laughs> post-COVID, making the hopefully, most of yeah. it. You know? And uh, thanks again for your time. Listen, Cheers, thanks, Paddy. Guys. All the best. Our thanks to Paddy McDonald for joining us on the show. And don't forget to rate, review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mahan. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.